0: But this is Igris, and we're continuing what we started yesterday. Yesterday, we got ourselves into trouble. We started talking about Cheshpen Nefesh, and we did it for like 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And you can't talk about Cheshpen and Nefesh for 20 minutes. It's one of the founding principles of Chsiddis. So it can't be spoken about quickly. Uh, we decided to do a second shear on Cheshpen Nefesh. That also won't suffice, but it'll get us a little bit closer, I think, to uh, to understanding what our approach is to it, especially in the month of Elul. Cheshpen Nefesh is, of course, a um a self-examination. That's probably the best way to put it. A time when we take usually before Shema or during the Krishma of the bedtime Krishma, we take some time to think about how our day went and how it could be better tomorrow. And the month of Elul is a time specifically set aside for this. One letter I wanted to show you from the Rebbe that really spends a lot of time on this is not from our year at all. That was last that was last year. This one we're gonna look at a letter from Tavshin Lamed from Khayel of Tavshin Lamed, where the Rebbe discusses at length the importance of a Chesh ben nefesh It's a long letter. My hope is that we'll get through the letter and then we'll have time to do some of these sources that we have on the source sheet. But at the very least, it is an Negr so at the very least, we should do a letter. We have from the Rebbe Shalom Ubracha. This is a letter from Tavshin Lamed, Chayelul, and it's written to everybody. El B'nei B'nei Yisrael, Hashem Yichyu, the Rebbe Shalom Ubracha. Chedesh Elul Shana, the time of Elul, what's it a time what's it a time for it's a time for khashbanephish for an accounting of the previous year bizman shahanadshan hadashna so also a time to prepare for the coming year ba linab kalisra table lifraha um sorry there we go shigam shurkach kleshteh hana kvi arai akhrahi evil khan Nefesh um, al The Rebbe says, we want to have a good year, a blessed year next year. We need to make sure that we have a Chesh Nefesh, that we have a calculation, a, uh, I need a better translation for Chesh Nefesh I can keep using. Whatever, a Chesh Nefesh. A chesh Nefesh on the past. So a Nefesh on the past is necessary in order to make sure that we have a good new year. move on Terek, so we have here is the Rebbe starting to explain what a chesh nefesh is exactly. That is that to say, what happened that wasn't appropriate? What still needs to be done? What have I not done yet? What am I able to do? There also has to be a strong achlata. To fix anything that needs fixing. To, fix that which, to complete that which has not been done yet. The is giving some tips here, how to think through a chesh nefesh. That is to think about the things that I could have done differently, to think about the things that still need to be done. <clears throat> and also to think about how I can use my own talents and my own personal abilities to be doing better. How my per- how my purpose in this world dictates that I could be doing better in certain areas. to lift us up so that next year is even better than last year. That's the Rebbe's summary of a nefesh. Now in the letter, it's a long letter. He keeps on going. He keeps on talking about the importance of it. He says, how important is it every single year for a person to make sure that they have a, that they have a cheshbon tzedek, an honest accounting, a cheshbon nevish? After um, the rabbi says, if you want to prove. How important a cheshbon nefesh is for a person's life? You can look at just how many days of the year are set aside for cheshbon nefesh—a significant amount of the year. Several holidays entirely for that. Kamor First of all, the entire month of Elul, Hashem set aside one twelfth of our calendar year just for cheshbon nefesh. Furthermore, there's the twelve days, or specifically, he says specifically the twelve days from Chai Elul until Rosh Hashanah. This is something we talked about yesterday. It's supposed to be a cheshbon sedek on every single one of the days of the every single one of the months of the prior year. Then there's Rosh Hashanah Gufa. There's Rosh Hashanah itself. That is the time that we have Tikia Shefer. As Ramam himself says, Ramam is the mayor of Godel, and he says, "Why do we bull Shefer and Rosh Hashanah? In order to inspire us, to inspire us to make a Cheshev Nefesh." So, first of all, we have the entire month of Elul, and then we have the two days of Rosh Hashanah, our most important day of the year. In a lot of ways, set aside really for inspiration for Cheshev Nefesh. Then there's a Seferi ten days of Chuva, also specifically set aside for Cheshev Nefesh. And specifically between Rosh Hashanah and the Seferi Meit you have seven days. Those seven days between, because Rosh Hashanah is two of them, and Yom Kippur is one. So that's three out of the ten, which means the seven days intervening between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. There's seven of them. One of them is supposed to be a Chesh nefesh on every single one of the days of the week. One for all the Mondays, one for all the Tuesdays, I guess starting from Sunday. I sound very Goyish. All from one, all the Sundays, then all the Mondays, then all the Tuesdays. That's what we use those seven days for. And then there's the Yem HaKedosh So if you really think about it, something like 40 days. Hashem set aside something like 40 days out of the calendar year specifically for Chesh nefesh, which gives us an idea, the Rebbe says, of the importance of a Chesh nefesh. But it continues in this section. In order to figure out what I did properly and what I messed up, I need to have a chesh, I need to have a cheshbon nefesh. The problem is I am biased. I'm always going to say I did fine. Yes, I'm not able to really look at myself. Sub- I'm only able to look at myself subjectively. I'm not able to look at myself objectively. So it's difficult to make your own cheshbon nefesh. I mix in my own thoughts, I mix in how much I like myself, and therefore I'm going to lean in a direction that is not precise. So the Rebbe raises a problem. I need to make a Cheshba Nefesh. It's very, very important. It guarantees me a good new year. There's 40 days set aside for it in my calendar, and yet I'm Negev I'm biased. I'm likely to do a pretty bad job. Yes, okay, the Rebbe says, furthermore, another reason why I'm likely to do a bad job. When it comes to mortal intellect, it's limited. Mortal intellect, the way we think, it's limited. In a lot of cases, it's hard to figure out if I did the right thing or the wrong thing. In some cases, it's clear-cut. A person does a bad thing, it's bad. But in a lot of cases, there's shades of gray, right? And in a limited mind, my limited mind, I'm not able to figure out all the time whether I did a good thing or a bad thing. So I look back on my year, I say, I did this. Was this good or was this bad? I don't know. Baruch <laughs> HaShem created the world and people. He knows our mortality and he knows its difficulties. So he gave us the Torah. Why did he give us the Torah? And I know that we know this in the back of our heads, but for some reason, when I read this in this letter, it struck me in a way it hasn't struck me before. The Rebbe says, why did, he, why did God give us the tarot? Specifically to solve that problem. The Torah is a non-biased third actor. I don't know how many people think of Torah that way, but it's a good way to start. That is that there's so much bias in the world i'm biased toward myself i'm biased toward my intellect my intellect is limited other people in my life they push ideas and their biases we have all sorts of people with their own reasons for thinking things and reasons for wanting things and god gave us the torah as a non-biased third party as a uh, arbitration the arbitrary the arbitrator of our lives is the Torah, which is uh which is godly intellect so when a person accepts upon themselves, turning mitzvahs with Kabbalah's old oh, That is, I'm not gonna mix in my, in my human intellect and my own biases. I get linked up with godly seichel, and godly seichel knows what it's doing, and then I can figure out the truth. So the rabbi's answer to this problem is that, yeah, it's true. If you rely on yourself, you're going to get stuck in a chesh nefesh every single time, because you're biased, and also because your limited mind doesn't know right from wrong. But if you first have kabbalah's ol and say, I'm going to accept that no matter what I did, no matter how I feel what I did, if it was with the Torah, it was good, and if it was without the Torah, it was bad, that gives me a third party that can sort of arbitrate between my different voices in my head to figure out whether I did the right thing or the wrong thing in the prior year. And then the Rebbe goes through uh the Re Ishi, which I would love to do with you, but I'm instead just going to pass it along to you as a PDF to look through, because otherwise we will spend our whole time on this very long letter. But I think the main points we want from this letter from the Rebbe is, first of all, that Cheshbun Nefesh is required if we want to have a good year. That's what he says up here. It is absolutely obligatory if we want to have a good year next year for us to have a Heshman Nefesh from the past year. And then the Rebbe emphasizes that you can see throughout, how many you can see by how many days God dedicates to Cheshbun Nefesh, that it it is an absolute yesaid of our practice and for anybody who thinks chesh ben Nefesh isn't the avidah that we do anymore i would remind you those 40 days still exist so as long as 40 days of our calendar year are set aside for this this is a yesaid of chesidus. how many days are dedicated to pesach i mean we have a whole the but pesach at the end of the day takes up a week of our lives for a lot of us it takes up a month before and a month after but in it's a week of our lives if you want to know the importance of something look at how much time god dedicates to it chesh ben gets 40 days nothing gets 40 days uh, then the Rebbe gives some practical advice on how to get around our own human limitations when it comes to Heshman nefesh and the basic practical advice is accept the Torah as the arbitrator on these issues. So now we've fulfilled kind of our obligation of doing a letter. Now that we've done an official letter, let's do some things that are not quite letters to expand upon the uh, the Heshman nefesh discussion. I first want to draw your attention to some earlier sources. Uh, first of all, it's in Tanya, Nigeras a Perek Zion. <clears throat> I brought you a little excerpt here. We're going to read it together. That's probably the first time we hear about the very serious importance. In Tanya, it's mentioned the importance of Hashman Zedek, but I think it's really driven home the most in Nigeras So This might be our only, our earliest Chabad source for its importance. If you want to subjugate the heart, if you want to break the heart a little and you want to remove any spirit of impurity or spirit of the other side, if you want to fix your problems, and by the way, in a chuva, I hate to make things too practical and I really hate to make sit us into a psychology discussion. But every time Tanya talks about a Ruach chatum or a sitra akhra, in addition to talking about the spiritual ills, it's talking about habit. That's what it really means. Habit is that I have a as I do, and I have things that I habitually do. The habitual things that I do that are bad are my ruchatumma. That's the spirit of impurity. That's the when Tanya says spirit of impurity, I'm sure it means a real spirit of impurity, but it also means bad habits. So how do I get out of my bad habits? Well the SMR that is to be a master of calculations, a master of a cheshmah and really thinking deeply about how to make a chesh benefesh. That is, the better I get at a chesh benefesh, the better I'll be at breaking my bad habits and removing any spirits of impurity from myself. He wants a whole hour of work on this. An entire hour, every single day, or every single night, up to you before t'kin ch'ceis. To really think deeply about what I did by doing sins and by removing the shechina, by exiling the shechina through my sins. The fact that when I did These sins, I uprooted my soul and my godly soul from the life of all life. May he be blessed. But I did the makam and then dragged it down, but dragged my poor soul down to a makam tumma, a place of impurity, and a place of death. That's heavy stuff. That's not necessarily the Rebbe's Cheshvanefesh that we talked about yesterday. I think we have a sort of different version of that nowadays. But this is the uh, Tanya's Tanya. So what is a Cheshvane Tzedek according to the Altar Ebeni Geraset That is me thinking about the gravity of a sin. Is that I think about the thing that I did and I think about how much it damaged me and how far it's taken me away from what I really should be which the Rebbe recommends often for people who want to learn how to daven and be better in their ways of Aveda. This is from the Rebbe Rashab. There's a ketta from the Rebbe Rashab says, of course, you can only daven if you first Take things seriously. I want to jump to the middle here, though. Even if a person learns a lot of Torah, the Torah that you learn will not light up inside you. Sometimes a person learns a lot of Torah, but it doesn't change them. They don't get any better. They're involved in Torah, they're involved in mitzvahs, they're involved in Yiddishkeit. They're coming to show and they're doing what they're supposed to do, and somehow they don't get any better. Why does that happen? Says the Rabbi Dashab. It's because they're missing the chesh Ben Nefesh. The chesh Ben Nefesh, the chesh Ben Tzedek is the thing that takes all the theoretical and turns it practical. So when a person does a serious... Just accounting within their soul. Each person knows their own problems. A person will become very bitter about all this. He's going to not like himself very much. He'll break his spirit a little. Or actually, a lot. He doesn't say a little. He'll break his spirit inside himself. And once he breaks that part of himself, he becomes a clea to hold God's light inside him. So God's light doesn't just reflect off. Of him, we learn a lot of siddhas, we learn a lot of terra, we're involved in Yiddish, Ket a lot, but a lot of times God's light reflects off of us and doesn't go inside of us. The reason why it doesn't go inside of us is because we haven't cleaned out the vessel, the vessel has to be cleaned out, and the way the vessel is cleaned out is with a chesh ben nefesh. I have here from the di volume one, page 100. The uh, three quotes a mimer, he says, in a mimer. From uh, once upon a time, there was a guy who had a very special vessel, or a gal had a very special vessel, fancy vase, and it got very messy. And uh, it also got damaged. And this person sits around and he's very upset, he's worried and he's groaning about the uh, about the, about the damage to his vessel and about the, about the damage to the vase and also about the dirt on the vase. What's he do first? The first thing he does is he cleans off the Kli because it got dirty. And then after that, he fixes it. So it doesn't make sense to put together dirty pieces. If the thing breaks and also gets covered in mud, you first clean off each piece and then you glue each piece back together. Since first of all, you clean out the vessel and second of all, you fix the vessel. And then you make it back into a normal vase. Elul is the time when we start doing this calculation the days of slichas, which we are just about to go into, this metz Shabbos, by crying over the past through tears, we wash off the Kli. Now we're washing off the broken pieces, but the vase is still broken. Tears won't get you very far. They wash off the clea, but I still have a broken Kli. And then on Rosh Hashanah, I fix the clea by accepting the yoke of heaven. And that specifically happens during Tikiasa Shafer, as he goes on to explain in L'Kotidiborim. Now yesterday, we started a sikha that we didn't get to finish. I want us to spend some more time on it. I put a, a screenshot of it into the main chat because there's a section here that's just so, so sharp. There's a sicha from the Freelikadavim Tavshin Gimel where he talks about what exactly the chesh ben nefesh looks like for a bal ASIC for somebody who has a job. And below that, he talks about what a chesh ben should look like for somebody who learns in yeshiva all day. And then when we finish that, we actually have a little bit from the Sefer my of the where he says what a chassid's nefesh should look like. So we can put all three together. We're going to do those three, and then I'm going to give you some practical advice from the the book on him, explains from his students some of the advice he would give for people who want to try this at home. Please, you know, normally they say don't try this at home. Please do try this at home, and that's sort of our our seder for the rest of the cheshbon nefesh discussion. Where we left off last time, where we last left our heroes. This was the part that we. Drill that we uh, dialed into yesterday is the faith that says part of the bal A6 is that they should sit down with their books and figure out whether they would have really lost money if they dab in with a minion every day, or if they made time to learn Torah every day, if they made time for mitzvahs every day, they made time for their family. I'm adding that, but if they made time for their family every day. That is, make a person who makes money and therefore decides that they need to spend more time on making money than they do on the things that really matter, should sit down with those with, the, with their books at the end of the year and convince themselves that really was the case. They'll find that it wasn't. They'll find that had they dab with the tzibar, had they made a little bit more time for Torah study and for mitzvahs, they would have had the time and they wouldn't have lost any money. So that's part of the chesh, but let's look at the rest. He says, it is well known that the mezentus of a person, all a person's money, all the person's food is set aside from Rosh Hashanah. It's fixed. It is decided. It's written and sealed how much a person's going to gain and how much they're going to lose. You can't gain even a coin more than what was set aside for you on Rosh Hashanah. Impossible. The truth is, uh, workers always worked hard, the free the Kareba says, but things used to be different. In the past, people always worked hard. In the past, he would work hard, but he would also They would invest their Torah, their Torah behaviors into their jobs. Those who worked in their place, they didn't leave. Those who worked in their place didn't travel as much. They would keep they would keep tefillah b'tzibah three times a day. They would learn a shmur, a shir gemara, tanya, shulchanarach, and yaakov, shameless plug for and yaakov shir. They were involved in shir ay Torah. and then Friday would come. After midday on Friday, they would start preparing for Shabbos. Shabbos was not just remembering Shabbos in a way of zacher, shir Shabbos, shayim, who Shabbos? They didn't just remember that the day was Shabbos, it was also Shavarasyama Shabbas. They also guarded it. The Shabbos would pass in a time of trila and Terah. Mezah Shabbos was almost like an Isru Chag for Shabbos Kedesh and that they would continue celebrating. The entire week they would learn with the enig that they received from Shabbos. They people, they were they always worked hard, but they used to care about Shabbos in a way that we don't, he's the way that he's going to say we don't anymore. nowadays not so much. Nowadays, people work all week very, very hard and they need to make a living. The fear not. the Rebbe is not happy with the phrase, make a living. In this paragraph here, he rails on the phrase. How can How can you make a living for yourself? Whatever living you need, God's going to give you anyway. In the world in general, and specifically in America, they make a mistake, save and They think that the harder that they work, that they're going to get more. So they decide, I can't study so much. I can't dive in so much with the tzibar. I can't dive in with a minion. I need to work harder because the harder I work, the more I'll make. Hard work is one of the principles of Western society says it's ridiculous. At the end, the Shemini Shabbos, they stop their jobs so that they can read Lachadili. They don't prepare uh, at midday for Shabbos. They roll into uh, they roll into Kabbalah Shabbos to say Lachadili. What do they do on Shabbos? They rest with their body. They eat. They sleep. They go on walks. The moment Shabbos is out, they run and grab their cell phones. That's not what he says, but that's what he means. Immediately, they immediately strap themselves back into the yoke of Parnasa and making a living. Their Shabbos is a is a, uh, a a token Shabbos, but it's not a Shabbos. It says this should be part of the Hashem Nefesh of Abal that the Baal Asik should be thinking about this problem and how he can fix this. He has to make everything, he has to make sure that everything is beseder. So a Heshman Nevesh of nefesh- Baal Asik must be that this is not the way life should be. He first has to make sure that he's keeping all of his mitzvahs and also that he's working honestly the way that he's supposed to. And also, he needs to make sure that he's uh, setting aside time for Torah study and dominating with the Sefer because uh, he says he doesn't have time for it, but he's wrong because for Devar and B'te'lim, he absolutely does have time. He then adds, there's some bala some ba'ale who are not working honestly. They're not and a their job, they're not worried that they're, they're being dishonest in their work. Them, they need to do a different khashbinefish. Their Hashmanfish needs to be on Gemurah for the Avedas that they're doing by not working honestly. So we have two kinds of Balaesik. One is a chas V'Shalom, unfortunately, a Balasik who is dishonest in his work. This person's Khash Bnefish needs to be that he stops being so dishonest. Once somebody is an honest worker but works too hard, his Khashman setting needs to be about how he's treating his Shabbos, how he's treating his tfila, how he's treating his terra, and how he doesn't and how he fails to recognize that he could be doing a lot more and still would make the exact same amount of money. When it comes to the of ail, he says when it comes to somebody who studies Torah, it's mainly a it's mainly a Gaiva problem. I'm gonna go down here a little bit these are the problems Torah scholars have. That is, uh, they waste time, they are full of themselves, they lie, they speak lashin Hara, they hate people for no reason, they get jealous. What do they do? They garb all of that in an shemaim they garb that all into a ribbon, a cloak, and say that it's for the sake of heaven. This needs to be the chesh nefesh that people who learn Torah all day, is that they need to check their midas and remind themselves that these midas that they claim are ones that they're using in the name of Torah are not in fact in the name of Torah and they have the same rules as everybody else now going over here there is a mimer from the Freelah the where he says that these are all Cheshven Nefesh everything we've described is the Cheshven Nefesh of a normal person a normal Baal Asik, a normal yeshivael however a Chassid has to have a completely different kind of Cheshven Tzedek and here's how that goes so, a Cheshven Nefesh a the Chassidisha Chesh ben nefesh. Tanachli is amukiyes and chesh to be even deeper than the ones that we've been describing. Yudit chasid. When a yidush a yidu is a chasid. Tasher who almita. When he reads the shema, not the lovely spin, the aroch chesh He has to make a calculation of the entire day. Mahu paul beyemsav inegayl in the chasidus. Whether he was able to. What did he accomplish when it comes to chasidus? What good attribute did he acquire today? What good thing did he do today? When it comes to himself and to other people. A is light and he... The chassidus is light, and it reveals that which damages, and it reveals that which is the upright path. So when it comes to a chassid, there is a different, a deeper level of a chashven tzedek, and that is that the chassid thinks about what good midas I acquired today, what uh, good actions I did today for myself and for other people, and what I did to further the cause of chassidus today. And I use chassidus as a light to figure out which things will damage me and which things will lead me onto the correct path. Reb Chaim, there's a book about Rab Shlomo Chaim. I want to conclude with that for today. There's a book about Rab Shlomo Chaim's life, and a lot of people don't read it because they think that's what it's about. They think it's a biography about Rab Shlomo Chaim. I've talked to most of you about this a hundred times. Uh, this particular book It's a two-volume book you must get your hands on. It has a short biography of Rab Shlomo Chaim, but most of the book is that his students got together and relayed all of his teachings in Aveda, how to do hispanos, how to daven like a mensh, how to practice his gafia nowadays. How to do a Chesh Ben-Nefesh, how to say a Kriyesh mita with just lines and lines of advice on practical Aveda. And I don't know if there's a Mashpia nowadays handing out that advice. If he is, I'd like to meet him. Uh, in the meantime, there's a book about one, and it is absolutely incredible. So these are taken from the book, the Shriv Chaim, chapter 10 is all about Chesh Ben-Nefesh. These are some of the things that I found in the book. One is a quote from Chaim. He said that this was a well known quote. He would repeat it, but it was apparently known before him that someone who lives without Chesh Ben-Nefesh will die without doing chova It's harsh, these words, but he explains why in one of his fabragins. Someone who lives without a chesh will come to the conclusion that they're more or less okay. Such a person doesn't do tshuva. So a person who lives their life without constantly thinking about where they're holding, ultimately will die without ever repenting for the things that they needed to repent for. A major focus of Reb Ha'im and also, I mean, he didn't make this up, this comes directly from Egeus, the tshuva, and Tanya, is that we focus on forward-facing things, and we focus much less on the past. A chesh is much less about thinking about how bad the things I did were, and much more about thinking about how I can change things in the future. I will note that in Padik Zion of Tanya Ygeres Chova. It does sound like we're focusing quite a bit on the past and how negative it was, but definitely the main thrust of Cheshev Nefesh is making Achlatis practical resolutions to improve in the future. Uh, two different students write in their book about Rabbi Shlomo that they went to him for practical how do I live? What, literally, what do I think about at night? Advice he gave two similar ones, but these were the two ones he gave. One student he told that he should go, that he should ask himself three questions every night before he goes to bed. He should say what caused me to be Nichshol. What caused me to be nichal today? What made me fail? What caused me to progress today? What caused me to do well? So I can find which trends in my life are positive for me and which ones are negative for me. And the third one, given who I am specifically and what my specific talents and abilities are, did I use them properly? Did I act like someone should given the talents I have? So those are the three steps he gave. One student: Step one, what got in my way? Step two, what moved me forward? And step three, given who I am specifically, did I use my talents properly? Another student asked him for similar advice, and he got a slightly different one. This one's directly from the Rabbi I put. The Yiddish down there for Sroli, because I know Sroli is always happy when he gets to see the original Yiddish on the page. There it is. This is the rough translation of the Yiddish. And that is, what must it be? What practically can it be? And what was it? Lamais says that first I ask myself, what uh, first I ask myself, what should I be? What should I be as a as, as a Jew, as a father, as a as a as a parent, as a child, what should I be doing according to Allah? And then I come to the realization that I'm not meeting that. So then I say, okay, well, re- what practically can I be? I'm probably not gonna, what should I be? I should be a Tzadik. I'm not a Tzadik. Uh, so what can I be? Pra- what practically could I be? It could be a Benini. That's what it says in Tanya. I could be. Lemissa, what was I? I don't want to share, but I think maybe you can guess. Lemissa, what was I? He uh, somebody asked him if Sheime Fabra once, why you do step one. Why you even bother with step one? Why say what it must be if that's something I can't be, why not start with what could I be versus what was it? And he said if I have a, if I have an honest stage one and I really think about what I what what God wants me to be, that will make me be significantly more demanding in stage two where I ask what practically can I be. So if I come to the conclusion that what God really wants for me is to be a tatek and I think about that level and then I realize I'm not at that level, I much more seriously can say what practically can I be? I can at least be a vanity because given he, he wants me to be a tatek. I have to be honest with what I was and start working on how I can make that a little bit better. Final thing I want to mention is that Rav Shalem recommended four of my morim from the Fili Kareba that focus exclusively on the Aveda of Nefesh. He would tell young students when they were first learning how to do Cheshven Nefesh to learn these four Maimarim well, and he would chazen them with them. If you're interested in learning siddis on Cheshven Nefesh and how to get better at it, those four Maimaram are all found in Tafresh Tzak Aleph from the Frida Khabah. They are printed in Savan Maimarim Kutres and Khalik Aleph. The Dira Mas are Al Meshlim, Bo Kheshbain, Mein Ganim, and Ledimiya Adam Zar Bitchiras Milcha, these four maimarim are from Tafresh Tzadik Aleph, and they explain at length the exact process of Veda and meaning of Cheshven Nefesh. That's it for today. Thank you all very much.